Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Okay, so here we are back again. Uh, Welcome back. And uh, we're going to take a different tack in our uh, conversation uh, for this episode. uh, my name is Paul Davenport, and uh, I've got uh, Dan Weatherall with me, and we're going to talk uh, about history and uh, and the Bible. There's a pretty complicated sort of relationship that uh, that there is between uh, the Bible and, and history, but we're going to try and distill some of the issues and and some of the perhaps the perspectives and uh, right ways to, to think about history and the Bible uh, by looking at a test case, uh, and we're going to look at a uh, an individual. A, a king, uh, King Hezekiah, which you may have heard of, um, but if you haven't heard of it, you'll certainly know a bit more about him by the uh, by the end of this uh, this uh, conversation. This in half an hour or so. So, so firstly, Dan, why why should we spend time on this kind of question? Uh, you know, what are some of the issues around history and the Bible? What what are we trying to resolve here? Yeah, good good question. So, the the Bible and its relationship with history is complicated, like like you've said. Um, and probably made so much more so because there are sort of various extremes of different views. You know, one on one hand, uh, there are people that will claim that the Bible is just a collection of myths. It has, doesn't have any basis in reality or anything like that. On the other hand, you'll have people that, that claim that every single thing in the Bible is literally true. Every single reference to a you know, certain phenomenon or or event or anything else is, yeah. is accurate history in the order and, you know, all that sort of thing. So okay. a big spectrum so so you've used two terms there you've used myth and history and you know there's a little bit of a question okay well what what is a myth and uh, what is what is history is there such a thing as accurate history uh, yeah yeah that's that's right so uh, so myth you yeah i've used a term where you've got to be careful to define it so yeah. in terms of you know everyday usage which is i think is what i was referring to there it, myth is something which doesn't have a basis in reality it's a, a legend it's made up it's you know it, that, that's what people generally mm. say when they use the term myth mm. i think if you if you start going back to sort of uh, how scholars would look at yeah. ancient texts and how they, if they would talk about something as myth that doesn't necessarily mean um, that it, it hasn't happened but but yeah so i'm i'm sort of using using it there as this is something that doesn't have real substance. It didn't happen at a particular point in time. And then history, real history, is assumed and defined as something that, yeah, really did happen. Um, and so the question is, we've got something like the Bible, which talks about lots of things that, that happened, that seem to, to happen. And the question is, well, are those things exactly as they happened? Are they true, accurate history? Or are they uh, mythic? Or are they mm. you know, legend? And that's, you know, that's gives you a flavour. Yeah, and, and that, I suppose, starts to tease out that there are shades in between those two extremes, depending on what a particular text might be trying to do. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Bible is uh, diverse as well, right from the right from yeah. the back. You've got a, a diverse collection of, of different things, doing, trying to do different different books, trying to do different things. And yeah, so one answer might not be uh, the, the right answer for everything. Okay, so, but we want to focus on a test case and, uh, and, and try and work out some principles from that. So let's get into this case study. So set the scene for us. Who is this guy, King Hezekiah? Okay, Hezekiah. So we're talking about a king from Jerusalem, uh, around about 700 years BC. So long time ago. Yeah. And uh, Jerusalem being, of course, the 
city in, in Israel, um, ancient city then, and he's a, a king in this capital city of, of, of Judah, the re small region of Judah, and it's basically a very mediocre, low influence influence state. You know, this this is this is a small kingdom um, in a yeah. really highly okay. turbulent part of the world. So do we have so Jerusalem? You know, I've I've heard of Jerusalem, but I mean, how many people? Are we, are we talking, what's the sort of size of a city? Yeah, so I, I, I can't quote any numbers, but I remember recently thought about um, the size of the, the city at the time yeah. of Hezekiah or, or Jesus or whatever. And actually, it's, you know, it would be pretty much a sort of medium-sized village in the UK in oh, terms right. of or, okay. or, you know, square mileage or whatever. Um, a lot more densely populated than a typical British village, yeah. um, of course. So yeah, lots of people in a hustling and bustling, but in a, it's, it's a small, it's a small place. Okay. You know, compared to the big players yeah. in the world, things like Egypt and Assyria, who we'll talk about a lot more, um, and then a little bit later on the big Babylonian Empire or the Persian Empire, and there's lots yeah. of empires around. Um, Hezekiah isn't a king of an empire; he's king of a small city-state. Okay, so sounds like he's he's a bit of a, a minnow, really, but bit irrelevant in, yeah. in in a large pond with some pretty fierce large fish um, swimming yeah. around in it. So. But but where you've given us a little bit of background there, but where are you getting that information from? Is that is that just generally accepted historical information, or what what, what data do we have? Where, where's it coming from? Yeah, so we've got a, a few different sources. Okay, so and this is why this is such a good example because we can look at the different types of sources, we can take them in turn and evaluate them, yeah. and that's that's what we're going to do. So so we've got um, within the Bible itself, um, there's quite a few references in different places to this this king Hezekiah. So. We've got the book, the book of, of Kings, two Kings, and there's a couple of, you know, two or three chapters there, chapters 18, 19, yeah. to talk about Hezekiah and what he did. Um, you've got the, the book of Chronicles, so two Chronicles, and the, there's a few chapters around about chapter 29 that talk about Hezekiah. So okay. they're, they're part of a narrative that talk about, um, you know, all the different kings and the dynasties in both Israel and Judah. So a, a lot of detail is there. And then you've also got in uh, the book of Isaiah. Uh, so Isaiah is a, a prophet and he uh, he describes, well, it's, it's, a, it's a big book and there's lots yeah. of uh, prophetic books. So oracles and, you know, words that he's given, with, which he claims are from, from God. You know, that's, that's the claim of the prophet. So Isaiah prophesies over a course of a number of kings and it's... Uh, he tells right at the start of that book, um, it says it's in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So, OK. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of source material in the Bible itself. OK, so so in, in the Bible, he doesn't seem to be a minnow and, and irrelevant. So, yeah, like you say, he's quite a significant character in, in the Old Testament. So there's a lot about him hmm. and it seems to have uh, it, it's in, the, the events of his life seem to have influenced quite a lot of things. So absolutely. Okay, and and if he's got a few chapters in each of those Kings and Chronicles records, you know, he's you know some of some of those Kings just get a few verses, yeah. But he's 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 got a few chapters. So, but if if we're just looking there in in the in the Bible, I mean, that's not really going to tell us anything about the interface between Bible and history because it's you know it's just kind of a circular argument. So we need to think about outside the Bible as well. Yep. What, what do we find there? Yeah, so there's, again, there's quite a lot of information and we'll just pick on a couple of things. So so before we sort of dive into the detail, there's things from Jerusalem itself. So we're yeah. looking at the, you know, the, the history or archaeology of, of, of Jerusalem. Um, so there's, there's a few things to look at there. And then there's things from the nations around Judah. 
and Jerusalem, the people who interacted with Hezekiah. Um, so okay. we're looking at things like um, the Assyrian records, and specifically Sennacherib, the, the king of Assyria, yeah. and what, what he said. So, so yeah, definitely, we need to try and work out, well, the Bible is, is saying these things happened, X, Y, and Z. Um, we've then got an archeo- you know, archaeological record of something yeah. in Jerusalem, and then we've got what Sennacherib is claiming happened in, in Assyria. So there's, a, there's quite a good... Uh, okay, so, so those sources outside the bible are not are not just artifacts if you like there, there's also some written material that, yeah that tells us something okay yeah. so so perhaps as a way of breaking down this this case study then why don't we take each of those sources in isolation and, and then we can think about how they connect with each other so so tell tell me first of all about what we would know about hezekiah mm. if, if we didn't have the bible so if we didn't have access to any of that kings chronicles isaiah material oh. we've just got the stuff from outside the bible what what would we know about Hezekiah? Yeah, okay, so let's look at Jerusalem, first of all. Um, now, I've never been. So so perhaps most sort of famously is the, the Siloam Tunnel, mm. and something you can go and walk through right today. So so this is a tunnel under Jerusalem that was uh, created, um, uh, formed, dug from two ends and joined together. Um, and the purpose of that yeah. construction, that engineering sort of feat, is to divert water courses. Okay. Um, so it you know it's it is so I've, I've definitely seen pictures of that of people walk you can walk through it and yeah although there might be a bit of water in the yeah. in the bottom of it yeah, yeah the water flowing um yeah. and it's you know a shallow gradient and the, the point was to divert water the best explanation for it is mm. uh, to divert divert the water source from outside the city walls to keep it within the city walls so that any okay. feeding force wouldn't have a supply of water if they were sort of setting okay. a siege against Jerusalem. So pretty sensible measure. Absolutely, yeah. And and uh, you know, it, I think you know, not universally, but pretty much generally accepted that this is from Hezekiah's time. So there's an inscription in the middle of, uh, of the tunnel as well. There's you know, there's something from the time period of Hezekiah. Of course, that it doesn't name him. Um, we don't know okay. anything about him yet. <laughs> um, uh, but we also get, so just thinking about uh, that sort of time period, we get um, other examples of sort of really quick and hasty construction. Okay. So yeah, defensive um, things that the, the people at the time had to, had to build in the city. So there's what's called the, the broad wall, which, you know, is a, a wall built very quickly. You can sort of tell from how it's thrown together, but it's right. many metres thick. And it's, you know, an example of people trying to um, enhance the fortifications of the city at this particular time. So around the same sort of time. Um, and and in terms of pinpointing the person sort of in charge around about this time as well, is there's, there are, there's a seal impression that's been found that, that literally has the words on it, belonging to Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah. Okay, so, so that's... So that there's, we've got names and a little bit of context there, his father and, and the kingdom. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've got, um, yeah, so we, the kingdom of Judah, we know Jerusalem is the yeah. sort of epicenter of that. Um, we know Ahaz, Ahaz crops up in the Bible as well. Um, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, and he's the king of Judah. And around about all this time, there's quite a lot of engineering and construction work going on uh, very in a very short space of time. And it's all seems to be um, to sort of protect against the threat of, of an enemy.
Okay, so so that's. I mean, this is this is fascinating stuff. I mean, I find this yeah, archaeological discoveries and piecing these things together absolutely fascinating. I think if I hadn't been an accountant, I'd have been an archaeologist. I just didn't get that far through the the alphabetical careers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that's all about Jerusalem, isn't it? Yeah. With with the tunnel and the and the the seal um, and, and this hastily constructed fortification, this broad wall. But what about relationships with the wider world and uh, and these other larger powers like Assyria. Yeah. Yeah, so so these these things are just you know little examples of which which is what we're we're trying to do here. Yeah. And here's I'll just give you one example of this of, of the outside world and it's the Assyrians because that's yeah. we'll, we'll drill down into uh, some events in in a moment. Um and uh so the Assyrians wrote lots of records of the things that they did you know very much like we've got uh, in our in the bibles we've got kings and chronicles sort of pretty much records of the things that the kings of, of israel and judah did yeah. so we've got the annals of, of um sennacherib okay and uh, i think they crop up on two or three of these prisms these sort of clay um prisms where yeah. written on the things that, it, that he's done um so one being uh, Sennacherib's prism and the Taylor prism and so he's recording quite a lot of his um military campaigns and what he's doing and going around his empire and expanding his empire and so on uh, i think um I'll, I'll read to you not not all of it but some of the relevant passage uh, in, in in assyrian you i'll uh, i'll translate it directly <laughs> excellent <laughs> okay uh, so yeah in fact, I've got one here that's been done earlier, so I'll use that. So, uh, so he says this. He says, As for Hezekiah, the Jew, who did not submit to my yoke, 46 of his strong walled cities, as well as the small cities in their neighbourhood, which were without number, by levelling with battering rams and bringing up siege engines, by attacking and storming on foot, by mines, tunnels and breaches, I besieged and took those cities. Uh, there's a, a number of people that he says it's, he claims to... Have, have taken great and small male and female horses, mules, cattle, etc., without number. He says he brought those away from them and counted as spoil. Himself, so here he's now talking about Hezekiah, himself, like a caged bird, I shut up in Jerusalem his royal city. Earthworks I threw up against him, uh, and the one coming out of the city gate I turned back to his misery. So basically, he's saying, Look, I trapped him in a city. Right. Uh, besieged it he couldn't get out but he's, he's named hezekiah sure there you know like we say if we can forget the bible for the moment mm. we've got a seal with his name on we've got some some sort of defensive structures in jerusalem yeah. and we've got hezekiah on the other hand saying he came and and besieged the city and he, he trapped hezekiah in the city yeah so, sennacherib saying that yeah sorry yeah sennacherib, yeah. sennacherib yeah. saying this as well yeah. he's, he trapped cool. Hezekiah, yeah. But, and then he, he says something else, he, it, just a little bit later on, he says, thus I diminished his land, I added to the former tribute and laid upon him the giving up of their land. Uh, as for Hezekiah, the terrifying splendor of my majesty overcame him. And there's a little bit more about tribute that he gives and yeah. all sorts of things like that. So, so yeah, he was a, he was a humble chap, Sennacherib was. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, describing all the, the achievements that he, he's, he's made. Okay, so so we've got a, a connection there between the artifacts in Jerusalem, the preparation for a, a threat, defensive things, fortifications, and now we've got Sennacherib saying, "I came against Jerusalem and, yeah. and besieged the city," and he's saying he took all these other cities uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, and and one of the okay. one of those towns, just uh, this is um, interesting because it's something mm. I, um, I have seen, <laughs> and I, I think you will have too. 
uh, is Lakish. So Lakish, you know, some sort of 35 miles southwest of Jerusalem. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's uh, in the British Museum in London, there's that Lakish room, isn't there? Yeah. With all the uh, the freezers from Sennacherib's uh, palace, I think. That he, again, so he didn't just write about his exploits, he, he drew pictures. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, the, yeah, but these are pretty impressive, carved in stone, full floor to ceiling. Yeah. Depictions of many of those things that you've just read out, actually. The, yeah. The way that they were storming towns and siege engines and there's battering rounds and archers yeah. and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And they weren't particularly nice to the people that they got hold of. They, they were pretty brutal, weren't they? So, so that's, that's what we've got from Jerusalem and from the wider um, world at the time, the, the major power Assyria at the time. So, so if we now bring the Bible into the mix and, and think yep. about that as a source, what, what do we see from there? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's there's a lot of detail, but let's just pick out some some examples. So, first of all, I'm just going to look at um, passage in Isaiah. So, Isaiah chapter 22 okay. uh, has has a description. So, so a lot of Isaiah is in the context, like I've, I've said towards the start, in the reign of Hezekiah, and yeah. there's the threat of of Assyria looming over the land all the time because they're the ones that have the power, and Judah is a is a minnow. It's a small yeah. player in the world. Um, so here's something that Isaiah the prophet says in, in Isaiah 22. He says that you saw that the breaches of the city of David were many. You collected the waters of the lower pool and you counted the houses of Jerusalem and you broke down the houses to fortify the wall. You made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to him who did it or see him who planned it long ago. Um, and, and that last okay. bit is referring to, to God. It's a little bit later on, he, he, he says that the Lord God, so the God of, of, of uh, Judah, God of Hezekiah, is calling for them to sort of mourn and repent, etc. But actually, they okay. all have the party. So, you, you know, it, this is, uh, so there's, there's something there, isn't there, of, of the things that we've seen just from the archaeological hmm. record. Um, there's, uh, you know, yes, you, you fortified the wall, you broke down some houses to build these big broad walls. Which is what you would do if you were doing it quickly you would definitely knock down some houses yeah uh, and, and build yeah. a wall out of that ready, yeah. ready-made building materials yeah which is what, what yeah. we see so um and then uh you know diverting the the waters as well there's this thing about collecting the waters okay. and diverting it and uh, and that that seems to refer to that in uh, in chronicles 32 it says that they um they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land saying why should the kings of assyria come and find much water so and then okay. again there's another description of of the uh, the building work that was done um you built the wall that was broken down raised up towers you know etc there's yeah. there's a lot of, lot of sort of detail there um so so again there's there's things there that correspond with the things that we've seen okay uh so so then what you know what happens after this in the uh, the rest of the account is that the the assyrians do come and they yeah. do um besiege the city there's a there's a pretty terrible siege that that happens and uh it's you know you can find that in isaiah 36 where sennacherib um comes up and there's there's this chap called the rab shaker so the, the governor the yeah. or the army general the captain effectively who's uh, who's there talking to the people on the wall and taunting them and it seems like he's going to defeat jerusalem and make jerusalem like lakish uh, but then in the the biblical narrative what happens is after hezekiah prays to to god 
in the night, the angel of the Lord comes and destroys many of them. The rest of them wake up, That many of the, the army of the Assyrians, that is. Yeah. And the rest of them wake up in the morning, everyone's dead, and they all just clear off and run away. Okay. You know, that's basically what, what's happening. So so the Bible attributes a a, a miraculous defeat. So the, a, a supernatural intervention. Okay. Yeah. But you mentioned that uh, that Rabshakeh, and and that I think it's in the Kings and Chronicles as well. He gives this speech to to the people in Jerusalem and on the wall uh, to to persuade them to to give themselves up, just give up the fight. So, yeah. so there's quite a bit of detail there. Yeah, there's there's all sorts um, in there, and I suppose if you've you'd seen or you'd heard what was happening in Lakish and all the yeah. other towns as well, you'd feel like doing that, um, defecting or giving up. Hmm sort of gives them offers of um, you know, land and so on that you can give up. Why should you yeah. um, stay loyal to Hezekiah and stay loyal to, to the God of Israel, to, to Yahweh, the God yeah. of Israel? That's... So, so what? So, how do we piece these things together, and what do we make of it? So, I, I can see some points of connection uh, around the, the pool and the uh, the wall, the fortifications, uh, the siege, um, but but there are also potentially some some differences, uh, and then there's the supernatural intervention. But what I, what I'm finding is that I immediately feel different about those two different sources. So we you know we looked at some artifacts that were found in Jerusalem and it's just it's just a cold object it's impersonal whereas this biblical source is is inviting me into a story in mm. some way it's inviting me to take sides it's it, it's it's asking me to make choices about the characters and are they right or are they wrong and mm. in what they what they do so there's some there's some significant differences in in that respect so so what do, what do we make of that yeah i think you've, you've you hit the nail on the head there really because when you you look at say the broad wall um, yeah. in Jerusalem, it, it's it's not yeah it's not asking you to take the side of the people defending the city, mm. or the people attacking the city. It's just showing that there was this hastily constructed wall. There was some kind of invasion, and that's it. So yeah, cold hard fact about uh, yeah. something that happened. So yes, again, someone dug a tunnel to divert the watercourse. That that's it. That that's yeah. the, sort of the, the fact that that happened. Um, Hezekiah was a king. He sent letters. He he, he sealed it with his seal. Yeah, and that's it. You know, that's the that's the fact, the cold hard yeah. fact of, of these things. Um, when we move to both the Bible text and yeah. also Sennacherib's text, yeah, uh, I think we're moving into a different sort of territory, aren't aren't we? Yeah, um, these are things. The archaeological things are just snapshots of moments yeah. in history. Um, but these things, these texts, are people's opinions on things, people's biases, people's. Uh, views on the things that happened, people's views on why things happened, and people's views on, you know, how people should react to them. So both the Bible and and Sennacherib's annals are, are going to be are going to be different. So yeah, they're making they're making claims, definitely. Aren't they? Yeah, you know, Sennacherib is claiming his almighty strength. Yep, and the biblical record is is making some different claims about who's in control. Absolutely, yeah. So just think about Sennacherib for a minute. He um, he says that he shut Hezekiah up like a cage yeah. bird in Jerusalem, which um, seems to be what happened for sure, and because that's pretty much you know in in all the records that we have. Um, he doesn't say that he defeated Jerusalem. He he doesn't say 
you know, yeah, he doesn't say that he broke the walls down and defeated it and everyone was killed. He doesn't say that Hezekiah was killed. He doesn't say, well, well anything anything like that at all. He, he doesn't say that he lost. He doesn't say that his army were, were killed or decimated in any way. It's not likely that he would say that. And if this, you know, the purpose of his uh, account of his writing is to sort of demonstrate his achievements and and his power and his prowess and his attributes as, as a, a good king and leader. So it doesn't mean it did happen or it didn't happen, but I think it's that's just, what... It sounds like it, it, it was just silent on Definitely. the outcome of the, of the siege. Yeah, I, I mean, it talks a lot about the tribute um, that Hezekiah right. gave. And actually, you know, the Bible does talk, has, has a few of these, these passages that talk about Hezekiah um, giving a tribute or, or him or, or people in his government um, giving tribute to, to the Assyrians and to other sort of rulers, okay. big players in, on the scene. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you get that in, both in the Bible, but also in um, in, in uh, Snacrib's writing as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, he claims those things. There's things that he he omits uh, or seems to omit. So the question then is, well, what, you know, what did happen? What's it? This is a reflection of something that happened in history, but it's yeah. clearly there with his bias or for his point of view. Okay. Yeah. yeah, let's move on to the Bible. Yeah, okay. So again, we've got a lot of correspondence with things like building the walls, digging the tunnel, all these things yeah. that match the history that we can sort of uncover. Um, but think about the purpose of the things that have been written. The Isaiah reference that we looked at, this is why it's, it's a really good one to look at, um, talks about them uh, diverting the watercourses, building the walls, etc. Um, but the point, that, you know, they're almost incidental details. The point that Isaiah wants to make is that uh, you did this but you're forgetting god you're you're do, you're busily hur- hurriedly trying to defend against the assyrians but you're forgetting your god you're forgetting right. one that's that's made all these things who has all the power that's the claim yeah. isaiah claim the bible uh, and uh yeah that god wants you to sort of repent and transform spiritually and transform your religious worship etc um but actually you're you know you're rejoicing and having a party because either a you're you know you're going to die because the assyrians are coming or b you think you've you fortified the city well enough. So, and but yeah. So, so the point of that passage there in Isaiah is um, far more than just sort of writing down history. And it's not writing down history just as cold hard fact or objective. Mm-hmm. It's writing it um, to make a theological point. That, that's that's the whole point of, of this, isn't it? Really. Okay. No... So, so it's not it's not writing history for the sake of recording history. No. Or let's write this down so that future generations can can read it and know what happened it's 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 in the here and now making a message about their relationship with their god yeah yeah i think i think is what you're saying yeah, yeah. It's, it's interpreting the the present it's in, interpreting yeah. the things that are, that are happening yeah. in the perspective of there is a god who yeah. is the god of israel and he's true and he's yeah. you know, done xyz in the past and he can do xyz in the future and and, you know, that's that's the claim here. And that maybe is why it feels a lot more like reading it, you're invited to make, you know, to take sides uh, and, and to, to think about who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and think about the, the choices that yeah. you're making and whether they're, yeah, and their relationship with the things that God yeah. has said. And, and that's that's really what it, it's trying to do. Um, there's another interesting feature in, in the, these sort of records is that... Um, the defeat of Lachish is pretty much glossed over in in the Bible okay. records. Um, you know, it's not prominent at all. Um, it just 
pretty much says that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, like he'd, he'd done enough, you know. And that's you know very different from the Sennacherib getting back to his his throne room in uh, in Assyria and, and building these uh, yeah. these to, to to commemorate it. So you know, it's kind of you you do that's just kind of what you'd expect, isn't it? There, wouldn't you? I mean, you you do find you find um, parts of Isaiah that talk about the king of Assyria coming right up to the neck and overflowing yeah. the land, and so there's there's an acknowledgement that these things were going to happen and that, that they they happened. And uh, so it's not, you know, not whitewashed. So you don't get, I think the point here is you don't get the full picture. Well, you don't necessarily get the full picture okay. of history from the Bible because it's not the point of it isn't to be, yeah. isn't to give you the full picture. Here's a textbook of, you know, everything that happened. It's there as a sort of a record of the people giving a word from God that's in, an interpretation of the things that are happening around them. Um, and it should, you know, then has a has a word, a message from God in, in that to them. So it's all sort of theologically okay. motivated. So, so if if I if I understand what you're saying, it, it's it's that the the purpose of that biblical account is more focused on this group of people in the city of Jerusalem. And they've got the Rabshakeh outside saying, give up we're we're far stronger and you've got hezekiah telling the people don't give up trust in your yep. god and the choice that those people have to make yeah and uh, so in that context that what happened over in lakeish isn't so relevant to that yeah i, I think i think that's fair yeah. um yeah and uh you know remember that there were probably lots of different voices yeah suggesting how they should react to this yeah. um, including people saying we should buy them off and you know that okay. was definitely tried a, a part of this, you know, some point in this campaign. So, 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 what can what can we get to as as principles, um, things that we can learn from how Bible and, and these historical sources are connected, working together, not connected in other ways? Yeah. So, I, I think it, we, we've got to sort of acknowledge that the Bible isn't there as an objective history textbook. Okay. Now, I don't think that it probably exists, actually. That, that's a fair point, yeah. Because whenever, when anyone writes about history, yeah. or writes a biography about someone or, or whatever, it you know, it is always to, to try and demonstrate uh, who was the right, who was in the right, who was in the wrong, yeah. you know, why things happen. So, so history is like that when people write it. So th this isn't, shouldn't be a big surprise to us. I no. think it probably is sometimes a big surprise to, to a number of people. Um, Although there's a little bit more in... In, the, in a modern context, historians will set out to present a, a multi-sided view right, of, yeah. of what happened. So, th so there's a discipline that is designed to bring some objectivity. Yeah, yeah. there's modern methodology, isn't there, yeah. in, in, in history, yeah. historians, uh, how they approach history. Yeah. But I think we can say that, that these ancient texts are, are not necessarily trying to apply those those disciplines they're doing something something yeah, that's right so it would be a mistake for us to assume yeah. that and bring those those sort of methodology assume that the bible's using it and then try and say well you know this thing is everything that happened and nothing else happened because yeah. you know or okay. uh, you know try and, and look at it and say uh, obviously the bible's wrong because we know something else uh, that, that happened but it's yeah. it's not there that that would be failing to understand the genre and the, the ancient way of, of writing and the purpose yeah. really of, okay. of what these, these narratives are so yeah so so this bible isn't an objective history textbook so that's what we've got to learn um and yes there is an interface between the bible the narratives and history and i think the the thing we can learn from this it, it, it's quite an it's a really good test case which is why mm. we sort of walked through it um because there are these different types of sources there are these cold hard facts yeah. there are things that have been dug up dug out the ground 
which tell you very uh, very little. It, te- it tells you nothing about motives and very little about mm. those sorts of things. But then there are these writings, both the Bible and Sennacherib writing his his um, his exploits up. And they show bias, they show purpose in, in what they're, they're trying to achieve. And so the Bible, recognising that the Bible isn't, isn't there to, to try and, or doesn't claim to be providing the full picture, everything that happened, yeah. anything like that. It's trying to give you uh, an explanation from the perspective of there is a God behind this and there's a God that's in control. And, uh, and then I suppose it's, you know, it, it's up to people from that point onwards who have sort of dealt with this text and all the other texts around it to to come to a worldview that 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 agrees with that um or not and and that's uh, that's really part of what the bible is trying to do okay okay so let me let me try and summarize okay what we've what we've covered so we looked at evidence from from outside the bible we looked at that first and sort of a few cold hard artifacts that are sort of data points uh in isolation almost We've got some texts like Sennacherib's prison. And, and if that's all we had, then you know, historians could sort of build up, could try and build a story around that as to what happened. And, and essentially, when we come to the Bible, we find that that is giving us a particular story around those same historical data points, if you like. So, so it's giving us history, but with, with an agenda. Mm. Um, theological history, I think you, you called it. Um, so it's, it's telling a story that's built on that historical core, but it's really aiming to, to make bigger points about human beings and choices as to whether to trust in a God or not. So so some of the details and some of the emphasis in that biblical account will, they're serving that greater purpose. You know, there'll, there'll be details left out and details included in order to serve that, that agenda, mm. serve that purpose. So is that is that a fair summary? Is that- yeah. I think so. Yeah, add to that or correct anything. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's pretty. Uh, well, you know, we started off with these two extremes, didn't we? Uh, approaches and and I think it's probably fair to say with this example that actually this part of the Bible about the kings of, mm. of Judah, specifically Hezekiah, and then the people that followed as well. It's undeniable that there was a historical Hezekiah from yeah. all the different evidences that we've they've looked at. So yeah, there's some really points of striking agreement, which I think is worth worth bearing in mind. And then you get things like, well, the angel of the Lord going to kill the army of the, the Assyrians. And you ask, well, okay, so did that happen? And there's no, there's nothing in, in Sennacherib's writing or from cold hard fact archaeology or anything to suggest that, well, no, it, it didn't happen. There, there's, there would be ways that you could think of that naturalistic things that could very easily have, have caused uh, an army to sort of... Um, mm. You know, be decimated almost overnight, like uh, food poisoning or or right. rats or yeah. you know, you know, yeah. disease or anything that would cause them just to give up and and, and clear off, and because a lot of them were, mm. were dying. Um, and so, you know, it, it's quite it's quite possible that those things happen. There's no reason to think that they didn't happen. The claim of the Bible is that yeah, this is in in God's control, which is is you know, that's where it goes beyond the history, doesn't it? And and yeah, that's, that's where you can think more a, theological. It's a theological claim rather than a yeah. historical claim. Yeah. So to you know to assess the history and either refute or, or agree with the, the points of history doesn't get you to that theological claim or the the answer to whether that's right or wrong. That's you know that's something to, to look at independently okay. of that. So so that that's I think useful to, to just think about. There's, there's one way, another way of looking at this is that it opens up a kind of worms because we've just looked at Hezekiah, haven't we? And a small bit of the Bible. Yeah, there's lots of other parts in the Bible. Yeah, uh, you know, but I think that's I think that's been really helpful. Um, and it and it's helpful when we come to other parts of of mm. the Bible where 
it, it, it is less simple and, and it's less easy to connect the details that we have in the Bible with firm historical data, like the Exodus or the, the conquest. Yeah, things could could guide us. The, the fact of just being aware of the different types of sources and the agendas behind them, I think, you know, that can mm. guide us to look at other other parts of um, yeah you know, the Bible history. Which so so yeah so what so I think if we kind of draw it draw our test case uh, to a close there, and, and it's, it's 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 given us some interesting things to to think about and the ways to look at this this history. And I think what we'll probably have to do is to come back in uh, some future episodes and conversations and think about some, some other parts of, of the, uh, the historical narrative in the mm. Bible, what they might be trying to tell us in, uh, in a theological sense as, as well as historical. So yeah. thanks very much, Dan. And thank you for everyone who's, uh, who's listening. And uh, we'll be back soon. God bless. You've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.